Hey there, SLP. You are listening to this podcast, so I know that you love to listen to podcasts. And if that is the case, then I know that you are going to love my secret private podcast, Secondary Secrets for SLPs. It's six short episodes that will have you walking away feeling refreshed and inspired and ready to take on those challenging secondary speech students. So if you work with grades four through 12 and are in a planning rut or wanting some fresh new ideas to keep your students motivated, make sure you head to speechtimefun.com slash secondary secrets. You are not going to find this podcast in your iTunes podcast search browser. You can only get access by going to that link. So head to it now. It is six short episodes that you can listen to it in under an hour, like totally Netflix binge-worthy. I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over, again, to speechtimefund.com slash secondarysecrets, or use the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I am the author of the blog and Teachers Pay Teachers store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities. I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, I have Pam from Mrs. Peace Specialties, and we're going to be talking all about embedding speech into the classroom setting. So Pam, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your journey into special education and what brought you here today. Okay, great. Thank you. First of all, thank you for having me on. I have been a special ed teacher for 25 years. I have taught in everything from a resource room to a self-contained in a public school. And now I am at a center-based isolated school that doesn't have regular ed classes in it. I have had like the traditional model of speech as well as embedded. And I was really nervous to start the embedded because, you know, like having somebody in my classroom half of the day and having more say in our lessons, it was hard to give up that control. But I've really been able to see that it's so much more beneficial for our students. I love it. So and in case anyone's listening, what is exactly embedded speech? So for us, it's, I have a speech therapist. She is listed under the console on IEP. So she's in my room for two and a half hours a day. And she is literally in my room and a part of everything. So ROT is also embedded. So I have the speech therapist in half of a day and then opposite, I will have the OT so that there's not an overlap because we've tried it that way. And Honestly, it's just too much noise and busyness in the classroom, and our students already have such a hard time paying attention that it just creates some more barriers for them. So for half a day, it's my speech therapist and I, and she's 
on the newer side and I'm not, this is my 25th year. I was a little worried how that would go, but it has just been so wonderful. She has really fresh new ideas and she doesn't have the jaded perspective and she hasn't had a lot of experience working with special ed teachers. So we didn't have any like barriers to break through with. So we went through our schedule and looked at when we would like her to be in there. And most of my students are on the spectrum. So they really struggle with the language components of pretty much all of the standards and generalizing, you know, just kind of breaking it down and really struggle with the language side of reading. So we integrated her mostly into language and literacy. And then we have a lot of her embedded in social studies and science. It's really hard for my students to meet the grade appropriate standards when they're still working on things like yes and no and being able to communicate their wants and needs. So what we did was we went through and we took the standards of each of the subjects that we're we're working on and we backed it up. So for example, one of the fourth grade standards for science in our state is data and observation. So my students have no idea what either of those words are or really the concept. So we looked at it from kind of like, okay, what's the barrier? Their language is a barrier. They can't comment. They can't answer simple questions. So we really backed it up and we made all of these lessons around the language components of the science standard. So for the data and observation, we made little booklets and the first page is something like the item I'm looking at is to work on commenting. And then we work on describing it. What color is it? What size is it? How does it feel? And we have all of the visuals to support that and their language and their AAC so that they can really start understanding like, oh, that's what I'm doing. I'm describing this and I'm collecting that data. And then we graph it and it's just, it's really helped them break it down and be manageable for them. And we have seen such progress in them that they're able to use less supports, less visuals, and they're really starting to understand it. I love it. I love it that more than anything, what you said is that you worked together to find a way that your students can participate towards these academic tasks that they normally would not be able to participate with. And again, the fact that you guys work together, can you explain a little bit more about that, like common planning time, finding time in the day to do things like this? Can you go into more detail on how that works? Absolutely. So because she's in my room for a solid two and a half hours, if my students are at a special, we have that chunk of time to plan together. Once we went remote for the pandemic, we switched to a online planner, which it's just in our Google Drive. And it's a shared spreadsheet so that we can plan together right on there. And we link any resources that either one of us will need so that we'll be able to cover the other one if someone's out or at a meeting or whatever. But it it gives us like the whole picture of everything we're doing for that week so that we can see, okay, if my speech therapist is working on yes, no, okay, how can I incorporate that into the next um spot on the schedule so that we can keep it going and help them generalize. That has been the the easiest, I would say, is having the planning time and 
the shared doc on, it's a spreadsheet on Google Drive, but we will text, you know, we, we catch each other before and after school. It, it is more work because you're planning together and I can easily plan by myself at my house, but that's not what's beneficial for my students. So you definitely do have to put some effort into making sure that you have some common times. But once we created the system and our online system, it really did flow easier. Another thing that really helped was I have themes for our classroom for all of our subjects. And we plan in that together in the spring for the following year. And so that we both have it a long-term vision as well as the weekly vision. So we can start thinking ahead of time, like, okay, now that we've worked on this, okay, let's translate it to a new skill. And this is our new theme. And that's how we'll practice it. I love it. I love it that you're doing short-term and long-term goals with her and really working together, finding a system. And like you said, it's all for the good of the students. The fact that you see that helps have a great relationship. If you didn't see that benefit, you guys would be butting heads and saying, I'd rather just do this on my own. Absolutely. Can you explain a little more? Is it more whole class lessons? Is it mini groups? What are some different things, situations that you guys set up for your lessons? So we do a variety. So most of my students need some level of intensive teaching for new skills. So we do that individually and she's one of the rotations for that. And then she also plans for our task boxes. They have three every morning that they have to do. And she plans one of those drawers. I do the other two. It's one reading, one math, and then one speech-based depending on their goals. And then there are times where we do centers. So we have small groups and they're opposite of each other. So for reading, she might be doing one activity at her table and I'm doing another activity at my table. And then we do large group and that sometimes we'll take turns and just lead it and sometimes we'll lead it together. It depends on the concept. We have a couple of students that have devices. So it's been really helpful for her to demonstrate for my staff how to use it, how to integrate the device, how to find things when we can't find them. And of course, adding vocab on the fly if we need it. And really, it's just on the spot training for my staff, but it's on the spot intervention for my students, which has been really helpful because they really struggle with generalization. They might get a concept down in the speech room, but they can't take that and bring that back to my room and apply it. I love it. I love, I'm seeing so many benefits of this kind of model. Can you share any challenges that you faced implementing this? Sure. It was really hard not to have her become a, tia, a para. So I have a 612 classroom. So I do have para. We call them TAs in my classroom, teaching assistants, but they're paras. And because I'm used to leaving all of the groups and all of the lessons and having the, the support staff be more in the same role as a para, it was a little challenging at first to really like, she's not a para. She has great knowledge and she's the equal here. And we need to make not only me feel that, but the students and the rest of the, the staff. So that was more of a challenge, just trying to find like our roles in it and, you know, being flexible and, and being able to say like, yeah, that didn't work for me. Or I'm not sure that this is exactly how I want it to go, but you really have to be honest, definitely respectful, but you do have to really have clear roles. There's several rooms in my building that also have embedded speech services. And you can definitely tell the difference when they're true embedded teaching with the teacher versus 
they're kind of an extra pair of hands. Mm -hmm. Can you give advice to someone who, an SLP, who wants to do this type of model? They want to push in, but they have that fear of becoming that TA or working with someone who is not utilizing them and not taking, seeing their value. Can you give any sort of advice of what they could say to them? Yeah, I would say to really highlight a specific example in that classroom of how you could help a student or the teacher progress. So, you know, it's, it's really hard to let go of that control as the teacher, like everything kind of rests on you. And now you've got this other person in there full time or for an extended amount of time. And really my speech therapist had to be like, you know, I could leave this and I could not only leave this, but I could prep this part and I could show you how to integrate more language. And I was like, but it, you know, I gave her a shot and it really, it really works. So like once you get over that hump to really, I would say like find one thing that you really feel could impact a student and the teacher, that's a game changer. You need, the teacher needs to see that value and that it's worth the extra effort because, you know, we're busy Mm -hmm. and so are you. It's hard to take those blinders off and see how busy you guys are too, but yeah, how beneficial it can be for the teacher. I love it. I love that. I love that idea of just focusing on one student and showing the value. I love it. Can you share some other benefits that you've noticed over the years with this model? Well, our number one, I would definitely say is generalization. That's a huge struggle for my students. So being able to learn and use the skill right where they need it has been really beneficial. It's also really helped us take a different perspective on looking at the standards and how we can help students meet it. If you're looking just from the academic lens versus the language lens, like those are two very different views. And when you look through them together, you can really find some barriers that you can't find if you're only looking through one lens. So that has been really helpful. And I would say that my students are learning more tools and strategies on how to communicate. You know, with teachers, like especially for my room, like we get into routines and the behavior management and the structure and all of that. And sometimes we lose sight of like other opportunities of where students could communicate or where we could pull back some of the communication supports and let them use their preferred model or their voice or whatever. I would definitely say those are the top three. I love it. I love it. I I had a colleague that I worked with several years ago in our life skills room. And when I pushed in, no, any other person, if they came into the room, they wouldn't know me or her who is the teacher at the moment. We exactly. both took turns feeling like the TA and feeling like the teacher, or we were both the teachers at the same time. And towards the end of, she's now in an inclusion classroom now, so we're no longer in this role together. But I would hear her using my prompting and hear her Uh doing things. Like I would walk into the room and they'd be playing a game and I'd see her encouraging like, oh, your turn, my turn. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's what I did with them. And it was just so amazing to see proof that she valued me being in there. Something as simple as that, just hearing her utilize some of my cueing. So just anything that you can help and showcase and how, and I love it that you said that she had a different view of some of the standards. Because so many times I sit through professional development and I hear what the teachers are being expected to do. And I'm sitting there going, my kids can't do that. Right. So it'd be so nice to be able to sit with them and be like, let me show you how I do it. So I love it that you guys have that ability to do that. 
Can you explain a little bit, was this something that was implemented in the school? And the, like, how did this come about? Like, did you have to fight for this kind of system or was parents requested? Um, no, actually, this was an initiative that our district took on. I'm technically a teach classroom and our district decided that even though teach is not embedded services, ours was going to be. And so they sent all of us to get trained. So that part was really, really nice that our teachers, our speech therapists, our OTs, and our social workers all went to the same training at the same time. And then they just decided who was going to be in the classrooms and, and how long. They, it was completely the district who decided. We had a new superintendent and her son went to a teach classroom and she loved it. She had wished that the therapists were embedded. And so she created that in our district. In case uh, anyone listening is not aware, what, it, what exactly is the teach classroom? So teach is a model from North Carolina and it's basically a really highly structured program that uses a lot of visual supports and routines and high, high structure in order to help students be really independent. So it doesn't look a ton different than some of the other classes, like most self-contained special ed classes. We do task bins. That's where the task bin phase came from. Those, okay. those were developed by teach. And it's basically to practice and generalize independent work. So we do that a couple of times a day. They do a three, two, one drawer. They prefer to have everything be a visual and they really limit any kind of verbal prompting. So ours is kind of, you know, we have some kids who aren't necessarily a best fit for our program. So they do use some verbal prompting as well. But we really break down all of the different steps and they have lots and lots of visuals. They have visual schedules and now they have embedded services. Wow. That's, wow. That's amazing. I love it. That you, the key thing here is that the district supports it and you got training in it. That's just huge. Right. So, so huge. Wow. Can you give another example? Because you mentioned the science lesson. Can you give an, another example of how you and the speech therapist work together to incorporate standards and things like that? Sure. So let's see. For literacy, she runs one of the stations and I run the other one. She mostly works on the phonics side of it. She uses the words their way. And so she'll take my themes and she'll break it down into the standards that they're working on. Most of my students, even though they're alternate assessments, they're not on, they're still not working close to grade level or their essential element for that grade. Mm -hmm. So we break it way down and then we take the pieces of this, what's left in the standard and all the language stuff she develops materials for that both of us use. And then I develop the academic side that both of us use and we do it for each of the students. Because, of course, none of my students are on the same level because that would be too easy. <laughs> That's always the challenge, but I love it. Yeah. Does she work at all in a pullout setting with your students or only push in? She's only pushed in. Mm. If she needs to, she can pull a student, but it's rare, I would say, that she pulls a student out. Well, we've had a couple of Arctic kids and she'll pull them out for a few minutes, but it's not out of the classroom. It's just into like her table in the classroom or something. She's very much a part of our classroom. She's one of our teachers and the kids really do see us as interchangeable. Was she a part of the class photo? You know what? We haven't had any. <laughs> one, it's a real question. It like, you know, just, just... uh-huh. No, well, she's on our scrapbooking wall. 
but we still have not had school photos. I guess they're like not COVID friendly in our district. <laughs> my my daughter had hers outside in the fall time, so I don't know. Uh, we missed that window. <laughs> Any last bit of advice for someone listening that wants to be more of a value to the teacher? What advice can you offer them? I would just say to be really diligent in checking in with the teacher and really kind of looking to see where you can highlight that how beneficial you are. When If a teacher knows your true value, they're going to invite you in and welcome you in and want you to be part of it. You know, if they think you're more work because you're asking lots of questions and, and, and being kind of needy, I don't need another person to take care of in my classroom. I need a partner to really help me help the kids. So really positioning yourself well and showing how much value you have to offer, kind of selling yourself. I mean, like you guys have so much to offer, but if the teacher doesn't know it, it's not going anywhere. I love it. Do you have a favorite phrase that you learned from the speech therapist that you use now with your students? Hmm, a favorite phrase. Like prompt, cue, anything? I don't think so. We do a lot of the same. She does say, who are you talking to? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Eyes on me. No, it's good. <laughs> oh, yeah. My students tend to just like blurt things out. They're not looking or actually talking to anybody. So, you know, she asked that question a lot. <laughs> I love it. So let everyone know where they can find you on the World Wide Web. You can find me over at MrsPSpecialties.com. And that has all the links to all of the social media places and, of course, my TPT store. But there's lots of information on there on how we embed language into our classroom. I love it. I know I will be heading over there to learn a lot more about this and how I can be a better asset to my classroom teachers. So thank you so much, Pam, for coming on the podcast. And we'll thank you. We'll speak to you soon. And I'm going to end this episode with a joke like I always do. How does a penguin build its house? It glues it together. Thank you so, so much for listening and tune in to next week. And until then, stay out of trouble. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. It means the world to me that you're tuning in each and every week and getting the jolt of inspiration you need. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at my website, speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to follow the show so you don't miss any future episodes. And while you're there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun, guys. <laughs>